If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We're just going to kind of focus in on one verse in chapter uh, 2, and that'll be verse 14. And uh, next week, we'll kind of look at this whole section in more detail. But this morning, we're just going to consider uh, really verse uh, 14, that when the angels say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And uh, I want to go to prayer here in a moment, but uh, we did get a prayer request uh, while we were singing this morning. Uh, We can be praying for uh, Dana Babcock's father, uh, Doug Chalupski. He's uh, really not doing well right now health-wise, and uh, it's really serious, so we need to be uh, praying uh, for Michael and Dana and their family, and uh, and it's just a reminder uh, that uh, life is fragile and short, and the good news we just sang about has implications. So let's uh, pray, uh, Father. We are humbled as we're reminded even this morning. Uh, as uh, Doug is not uh, doing well, of our need for you. Uh, Lord, I just pray for a special comfort that you will give Dana and Michael and the family, uh, and that uh, you would, if it's your will, Lord, that you would work uh, just to give wisdom to the doctors and that uh, he might uh, uh, get better. Uh, Father, that's our desire. And Lord, I pray that uh, just even in light of that, that you humble our hearts, that you maybe make us especially attentive to our own lives and our own souls, of which there is no greater value to us than our soul. And uh, so give us help this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to think about peace on earth. If uh, you've ever heard someone who's maybe maybe some girl that's doing a beauty pageant and they're asked, you know, what's their cause they're fighting for? World peace might be the most common uh, answer we hear. And in a sense, it's so common and it's so big and it seems so impossible that we almost disregard it like, yeah, how, how are we going to bring world peace? And in one sense, that's right for us to feel that. There's only one man who can bring peace uh, to this earth and, and to the world and I want us to consider the implications of peace uh, just uh, shortly this morning. Nothing is maybe more important, more uh, devastating to the human soul than broken relationships. I don't think we're more miserable than when we are experiencing 
the lack of peace in our relationships. We're made as human beings, made in the image of God. We're made for community. We're made to have peace. Deep down inside, we know it. And that's why I think it's hard for every single person on the face of the earth to have experience of broken uh, relationships. Now, when we look at this text, it's a familiar text that you probably hear most uh, often at this time of year about the shepherds who are average, everyday guys, probably lower the lower class of society. God lets them in in on what is going on through an angel. Look at verse 8. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news. Don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of great joy, and it's for the people. I think all the people here is the people of Israel. This is their Messiah. This is their Savior that is being announced to them, and it's good news of great joy. Uangalan is this uh, Greek word that means gospel, but this is the verb form of that word. He, the angel saying, don't be afraid, I'm good newsing you right now. I'm bringing you the best news there's ever been so that when you hear this news, great joy can reign in your hearts. It's good news of great joy. An angel is speaking to these shepherds. And what is the good news? And what brings this great joy? Verse 11 tells us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now for an Israelite to hear that a child's being born in Bethlehem, the very place where their Savior's supposed to come from, and he's going to be the Messiah King, the Savior of Israel, they would realize, if they knew their Old Testament, that all the promises of God seem to be uniquely linked to this future Savior, this future King that's going to come from the line of David, He's going to be a son of Abraham. All the promises come to fulfillment when you get to this king. So I think they understood that this, who this was, especially when he just flat out says, this is the Christ, the Lord. Now, the angel says a Savior's being born. If there's a Savior coming, that means there's people who are in trouble. 
You don't need a Savior if nobody's in trouble. If you're not drowning, you don't need anyone to save you. If you don't have an enemy army ready to kill you, you're outnumbered, you don't need a Black Hawk helicopter to come in and save you. People who need saving are people who are in big trouble and good news only sounds like good news if a person recognizes the predicament or the bad news that's a reality in their lives. And then verse 12 says, And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, imagine this, of heavenly hosts, an army of angels praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. That's one thing they sing. And peace among those with whom He is pleased. Angels are... An angel has just spoken and now angels are singing. The reason why we care about that is angels have a will. A third of the angels fell. They can worship, they can rebel, and what we know most about angels is they're servants of God, the good ones. They do His will. They bring messages like this to the shepherds. They say the Savior is born. But we get this unique picture of angels not just saying a message, but it's almost as if God opens up the eyes of the shepherds to see what they sing about. To see what's happening at this moment in time in history. And what they say ought to matter to us. It's interesting what the New Testament says about angels. In 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul's talking about the mystery of the gospel. He says this, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifest in the flesh, Jesus. Vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world. So in regards to the gospel, it's not that the angels believed it and it affected them. But they saw it. They were witnesses to what God was doing among men. In 1 Peter 1.12, uh, here's what Peter says uh, about the prophets of old. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Angels that get to live in heaven in the presence of God long to watch what God's doing down here on earth amongst people who were created in the image of God and who have rebelled against God. They, in awe and in worship, watch to see, long to look at this amazing thing 
that God is doing. Now this is a common phrase, this, this verse, glory to God in the highest, and you've probably heard it this way, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. That's the King James uh, uh, translation. Uh, and here I think the King James misses it. Uh, those who, uh, who wrote the King James had limited access to the manuscripts that we have now. Much older manuscripts and, and better ones have come along. So almost all scholars uh, go with uh, something much more like the ESV's version here, which says this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. The NIV says this, Glory to God in the highest, and on, our, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Leon Morris says this about the meaning of this text. There are problems of both text and translation in the expression rendered among men with whom he is pleased, or more literally, among men of his good pleasure. But the RSV, and here would be the ESV or NIV or NASB, is right over against peace, goodwill to men, which would be uh, more like the King James, a reading supported by many late manuscripts. The angels are saying, and this is the important part, that God will bring peace for men on whom His favor rests. There is an emphasis on God, not man. It is those whom God chooses rather than those who choose God of whom the angel speaks. Peace, of course, means peace between God and people, the healing estrangement caused by human evil. End quote. The angels are singing about God's gracious choice of rebellious sinners. It's interesting, later in Luke, in, in chapter 10, Jesus is spoken of as rejoicing. The only place in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus rejoices. And you might say, well, what, what, what does He rejoice about? Here's what we read in Luke 10.21. This is right after Jesus sends out uh, the 72 to go uh, preach the good news and to do miracles. And they get a mixed response. Some receive it, some don't. Here's what Jesus says. In that same, or here's what Luke tells us. In that same hour, he, being Christ, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. That might seem odd to us. Here's where the tendency for man to get upset happens. God is going to choose how He bestows His favor and His grace upon the earth? 
And yet, the angels praise this very fact. And Christ praises and rejoices God's gracious choice. I wonder if Christ is good news for you. I wonder if it brings joy to your heart. I wonder if you hear this and say, this is life. My prayer is that you will see that God will have mercy on you to see, to love your own soul and consider how Christ can bring peace to you. Here's why we need a declaration of peace. The reason why we need a declaration of peace is because of this. Isaiah 59.2 says this of Israel's sins. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins has hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. Everyone in this room has blood on their hands, has muttered lies, has sinned against God. And the worst thing in the entire universe has happened because of that. Separation between you and your Creator. You and God. Job, who was the most righteous man of his day, you might think, you know what? I'm not that bad. I don't think I'm too worried to face God one day. I think I'm pretty good. I look around, compare myself. Well, here's Job. The Bible tells us that no one was more righteous than him in his day. But yet Job had enough sense to know this. Job 9.28, he says, I became afraid of all my sufferings, for I know that I will not, or that you will not hold me innocent. I shall be condemned. Why then do I labor in vain? If I wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, yet you'll plunge me into the pit and my own clothes will abhor me. He says, I can take the best soap, the whitest snow, I can clean myself the best I can, and yet I put clothes on and my clothes abhor me and cry out because Job knew he was dirty with sin. It was nothing that any soap or snow could take away. So then he says this, For he, meaning God, is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come together to trial together. There's no arbiter or mediator between us who might lay his hand on both of us. Let him take his rod away from me. He's saying if only there could be a mediator that could stand between God and stand between my sinful self and take that rod out of God's hand, which is ready to crush me in His goodness and righteousness and holiness in response to evil, sin. If only there would be a mediator who could come 
Let him take his rod away from me. Let not the dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak without fear, for I am not so in myself. Job is looking forward saying, if only I could live a moment of my life where I wouldn't have to fear facing a God I know that I will not stand before in my sin. He knew there wasn't peace, even though if you compared him to every other man, he would look like the best. Think about, I, want, I just want you to just take a moment and imagine with me the horror of the reality that could be separation from God in your life. In Luke 13, Jesus says this, Strive to enter through the narrow door. The narrow door is Christ. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When at once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he'll answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. So it's someone who comes to adore to be received by the Lord. He says, I don't know you. Who are you? Where do you come from? And they say, don't you remember we ate and drank and hung out, went to church, did all the holy right things? Remember me? But he will say, or then you'll begin to say to me, we ate and drank in your presence, you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's the worst phrase in the Bible. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's why. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some who are last will be first and some who are first will be last. It's the most horrifying picture in the world. You see the party going on in the kingdom of God in right relationship with God, in His family. And all sorts of people streaming into this kingdom. And yet, you're on the outside with nothing to do but weep and gnash your teeth because of the separation. The lack of peace you have with God because God never knew you. When the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy, there cannot be greater news than with the rebellious sons of Adam and Eve, sons and daughters of Adam. There couldn't be better news, and it seems like impossible news, that God could ever say, peace on earth. How could that be? Adam, in his rebellion against God, broke that peace with God. We needed a new representative 
on our behalf to stand in the place of Adam. And we get that in Christ. Christ is the second Adam, the one who brings peace to us. Listen to Hebrews 2.14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself partook of the same things. You see, we need a mediator that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to a lifelong slavery. Everyone in this room has death looming over their head. And there's two ways to live. You can live in fear of that death or you can have that fear removed by the Christ. Christ is our peace. Romans 5.19 For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, that's Adam, so by the one man's obedience the many were made righteous. Listen to this reconciliation. Listen to this reconciliation. Here's how we'll end. 2 Corinthians 5.18 I got three passages of reconciliation I just want to read to you. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Your three biggest... the, the, The three things you lack that keep you out of the presence of God is... You don't have any righteousness which you need to be in His presence. Not only do you not have righteousness you ought to do, you sin. And what that, and not only do you sin, you don't have the power to change your heart, to change any of that. But God in Christ sends Jesus to be your sin so that God punishes Christ in your place so your sin can be taken away. Not only that, God reconciles us to Himself by taking away our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gift He gives us. So we have the job of being ambassadors. We don't get to preach bad news to people. We get to tell people, you can be reconciled to God. Listen to Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Thank God He didn't die for the godly or I'd be in big trouble. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we've been justified by His blood, that means we're found not guilty, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. (laughs) Best news ever. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we've now received reconciliation. The angel can say peace on earth because Jesus was born to die. He was born to take your place. Solve all your biggest problems. Take away your sin. Give you righteousness and begin to change your heart which used to be enslaved to sin and to give you a heart of flesh that's alive. I want to send you off with pointing out three responses the shepherds had to this news. If you look at verse uh, 15, here's what we read. When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. The gospel was preached to them. And they, with haste, went and to see the Christ. I preached the gospel to you this morning. Your only hope is in Christ. And my prayer is, is that you'll do the only sane thing and run to Christ. He's your peace. He's your hope. And then it says, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. Not only do I want you to cling to Christ and trust in Him, I want you to share that news with those around you. That's, that's what they did. All they knew about the baby, they shared. They couldn't wait to share it with Mary and Joseph what the angel had told them about this child. And then it says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, and Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And here's the third thing. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That's when you know the Savior has captured your heart because you were created to be worshipers of God and to glorify God with your life, but all of you were born sinners wanting to glorify yourself, wanting to rebel against God's rule. But God not only takes away your sin through Christ, not only gives you righteousness through Christ, He can turn a rebel into a worshiper to where we praise God for the grace He has given to us. That's my prayer. That you take this news and ask yourself, why is this good news of great joy? Because there is no world peace outside of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank You for peace that we can have 
with you. Father, I thank you that even when you rule in our hearts, we can begin to have peace in our other relationships. Father, I pray that no one here would leave without trusting by faith in the perfect sacrifice in Christ. Thank you for the good news of great joy that's been recorded for us. Thank you that Christ is our peace. In Jesus' name, amen.